0: Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. This is your host, Sabrina Mills, and I'm super excited because I have my homegirl here for another amazing episode on From Struggle to Success, Dr. Talia Cook. Assalamu alaikum, girl.
1: Wa alaikum, Salim. How are you? How are you? How are you there? Good. How
0: are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. All praises due to Allah. I can't complain.
0: All no, right, girl.
1: Everything well, is a blessing.
0: That's right. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the call. Girl. I
1: know. This is so cool.
0: I'm telling you, because number one, you know, you know, I mean, we kind of knew each other. Maybe it's been about a year, maybe a little less.
1: Yeah,
0: but almost just, a year. Yes, girl. You are just such a raw, authentic, honest person. So I just really appreciate you doing this, girl.
1: Oh, no problem, girl. Yes.
0: Yes. So, all right, let's get into it. So we're going to start, of course, with introductions, and I always like to do my little quick introduction of you, my own perspective, just off the cuffs, and then please um, introduce yourself. Okay. 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 So um, Talia, Dr. Cook, (laughs) Um, but Talia, I met Talia on the trip with the traveling Muslims. so for those for those of my listeners that kind of have been following our podcast journey
1: hunaza muhammad
0: was on a prior podcast and she's the ceo and owner of the traveling muslimas so um, i'm a part of the group talia was a part of it and we went to columbia together and we just bonded and connected and like i said
1: an amazing time. we
0: had a ball like we cut up we just had a ball so it was just you know, really, um, she made it um a thousand times more exciting, more fun, funnier. So she that's just she my home girl. Like and then, you know, she we collaborated with another event. She came down, she supported um our Mace initiative. So she's just beyond dope to me. Like that's just point thank
1: blank
0: thank you. So point blank period. So but go ahead and introduce yourself, girl.
1: So um that's- Dr. Cook. Well, Cook is Get Ready to Be Changed, because that's my ex last name. Okay. <laughs> and I'm um, newly well. married, so <laughs> I'm newly married, so that name has to go. But anyway, I'm Talia, and um, I'm an occupational therapist. I've been a therapist for seven years, and um, I studied undergrad at Lincoln University, and I got my master's um, at OT from Philadelphia University, Mount Thomas Jefferson, and then I studied I'm um, a doctorate in occupational therapy and sciences, and I um, got that from Temple. So, you know, my specialty now is just um, working with adults. They have mainly uh, mental and physical illnesses. So I see a lot of dementia patients, um, mental health patients, um, people with intellectual disabilities and things to that nature. And I really enjoy it. I love treating the clients Um And I just like taking care of people. Prior to that, um, well, not prior to that, maybe previously, like a year or two ago, Mm -hmm. I helped start the first uh, Masters in OT program down in Delaware. So we helped. Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: We got the school started. We got it accredited. And um, I mainly um, focused on teaching students a lot about neuroscience, um, adapting the environment for people living with physical and intellectual disabilities, and mental health that was just like my baby i love those three subjects and, um, yeah those sure like the, amazing. yes yeah. Amazing. i've done a lot of um published work um so I, i've published some articles on um, the impact of mental health and um, how it impacts functional performance and that was um, recognized um, down in africa so it's, uh, yeah the publication went really well and we sent our students down there to present um, and then I was awarded the Young Scientist Award for other research. So I've been doing this for a while, but I'm excited to let you guys know that yes. um, I co-author in a book. Okay. For physical disabilities, mm-hmm. and that's actually um, coming out in February. So you, really? you guys will be able to yeah see that. Mm-hmm. And then that topic I focused on like um, memory deficits and cognitive deficits, and also. Mm-hmm you know, upper extremity um, injuries and, you know, how to help people with disabilities live with those type of um, ailments, but, you know, modifying it so that they're still independent. So, yeah. Nice, nice,
0: nice. So that's the thing. Um, I think the type of work, that you do. I mean, just really, it's very inspiring. Obviously, as me, for me, as someone who's kind of on this path of just advocacy, but mm-hmm. um, just seeing the type of work that you do in the community outside of the community, it's just really inspiring. So, thank you, thank you. Yeah, for real. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. It
1: took, it took, you know, it took a while for me to get there. Um, do you have any other questions, or you just want me to? Oh ask yeah, you?
0: I'm gonna. We gonna get into it. So before okay. we get into how you got there. I first want you to answer the question. It was, this is just, like I said, our staple question that we ask everybody, but I love to hear a lot of different people's perspectives. Okay. But how would you define being a dope Muslim woman? And I always define dope as meaning excellent or the best version of yourself. What? How would you define that? Or what do you think
1: uh, it to be that? Oh, wow. Okay, so to be a dope um, Muslim woman or a dope woman in yeah. itself is just being genuine to who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, standing true to your morals and your values, and mm-hmm. standing up to what's right versus what's wrong and and um, you know just being there for others mm-hmm. you can't you can't be dope if you're a mean girl, if you're a nasty girl if you're not helping out if you're withholding you know um valuable information or if you just have like a low energy type of spirit, so being uh-huh. dope is. Just being you, being you, being genuine, being caring, being empathetic, you know, giving a helping hand, encouraging your fellow sisters and other women, you know, Mm -hmm. to do the best, to be the best, and to just live their life unapologetically unapologetically them. Because a lot of times we live for other people. We -hmm. live to make other people happy.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know,
1: then we're not living in our true selves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I really appreciate what you said because um, we talk a lot about, um, we speak a lot about authenticity and being genuine and all of that, but we often don't touch on the fact of how we treat others. And exactly. Because, you know, sometimes, I mean, we could be authentic all day, but if we're not really a good person to other people, then, like, mm-hmm. not it, yours, doesn't right? yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count.
1: But you're not, you're a mean girl. Yep. and you're not dope. Nobody's going to feel your energy. I'm big on energy. Mm. I can't walk into a room and I can just pick up on energies and vibes and I know who to vibe with and I know who to stay away from.
0: Right, right. Yeah,
1: very yeah. in tune with the energy. My third eye is very open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so watch out,
0: right? <laughs> exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh, girl, so all right, let's get
0: into it though. So we want to You know, this the topic of this discussion is from struggle to success. So we wanna talk a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are. It's very inspiring to a lot of us as women.
1: Um Mm -hmm. to
0: be, you know, at this place where mashallah you're doing so many great things. Um you're
1: alhamdulillah.
0: Alhamdulillah, So we wanna talk about like what that journey kinda looks like. Um so can you Share a little bit about um your background and a little bit about like how you what what were like how you grew up or maybe even some of the challenges you faced
1: okay so um I'm from West Philadelphia, born and raised, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm um, the second child of four siblings and okay. um so my oldest sibling he passed away a couple of years ago, but I'll get into that later but I'm the second child. And you know what's crazy? I always um knew I was special because <laughs> of my birthday. It was like mm-hmm. well, whose birthday is August fifth nineteen eighty five so anybody ask me my birthday I'm always like eight five eighty five so I just you know felt like I was special. <laughs> I did I know I don't know what it was, but God was talking but um, so I grew up in you know a single parent home because my father you know, he wasn't around
0: and I found out later in
1: life that he struggled with, um, a drug addiction or whatever. So, you know, my mom was married to a monster, complete monster. So I witnessed like domestic, um, of, of violence and just all types of abuse. Um, and then she left them and, you know, she was working, typical mom working and got mm-hmm. the kids and mm-hmm. she, you know, she did the best that she could. And, um, I just felt like you know, growing up as a kid that's not really you know, middle child syndrome. Not getting a lot of attention, mm-hmm. um, you know, from your mom because working or your father's not around. I felt like I you know, clung to um, my boyfriend easily. I ain't had no business having a boyfriend, <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, no. But that's, and that's yeah, but this yeah. is this is what happens. Is the real truth? Like when you don't put your kids in sports and activities, and you're not really intertwined with what they're doing, you know, they get attracted and take a different route. Mm-hmm. So anyway I had my I got pregnant at fourteen mm-hmm. and I had my first son at fifteen and his mm-hmm. father um passed away a year later in wow. a bad car accident and it was crazy because it was at the corner of my mom's block and exactly trying to get to my house. Oh. So you know that was my first kinetic experience but I also felt like that was the drive And whereas, though, I knew um, that, you know, I'm a mom to a child and his dad is not around, so I have to work extra harder
0: um, Mm -hmm.
1: to, you know, be successful and make sure I wasn't another statistic and make sure that, you know, he was well, well off. And, you know, I I just was focused. But, um, you know, just growing up in those teenage years, a lot of trauma. So he passed away. And then a lot of friends that we grew up, you know, were murdered. Um, And I felt like, you know, being a teen parent, I was talked down to a lot, you know, by my own family members. You know, you would think that it would come from outsiders, but it wasn't. It was, um, you know, family members. And I, I just remember just feeling like uh, all right you're not allowed to make a mistake you know people don't always make good choices but they don't mean stone them so they also fueled the fire to like prove everybody wrong so you know unfortunately yeah i did have a chip on my shoulder but it was like a chip to say all right i'll show you guys that not all teen parents are on welfare or high school dropouts or strippers mm-hmm. or things of that nature. So, you know, that still mm-hmm. the fire. Mm-hmm. And I graduated um, high school over Brook 2003. I graduated one time. I took my baby to daycare and I did what I needed to do. And then so I got accepted. Separate... I... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but can I just mm-hmm. ask,
0: did you have to take time also after you had your... Just six weeks.
1: You, okay, that was it. They, okay. give you, yeah, they give you six weeks. The school gives you six weeks of unexcused absences. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I made my work up, and I still had good grades, and I got accepted into several colleges and everything. Okay. Um, and it was good. And the crazy thing is I didn't have any support from the father's side of the family, really. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I wanted to chase them down because, mm-hmm. to me, it's yeah. like, you know your child is deceased. He has one child. You should yeah. step up and do more. But um, you know I just focused on me and I see me at the time. And I got accepted into college and I went to Lincoln and my mom. She was helpful mm-hmm. and she kept him. Um, you know when I was in college and I would pick him up on the weekends and spend time with him. And then after I graduated, I was just super focused. I was I was determined to make sure that. You know, I lived the lifestyle comfortably that I wanted to live, but um, I felt like every time I turned around, it was another murder or Mm. another death of somebody that was, you know, significantly close to me. Mm. Um, And it was just, you know, post-traumatic stress, (laughs) now that I think about it. And, you know, in our communities, people don't know how to deal with it. They don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. They're uneducated, and it's like... Don't get our children um, the proper resources and help that's needed Mm. because I remember being angry and fighting a lot. Yeah, you know, and I feel like had I got grief counseling or you know, had somebody to talk to, you know, I wouldn't have been so angry. Um, But that was some of the traumatic experiences Mm. that you know. I've dealt with, I think I've been around death since 16. Wow. And, and
0: up close and personal,
1: too. Yeah, up close and personal. I'm talking about people that were really close to me. And um, it slowed down, and then, like, boom, last year it happened again.
0: So, so I just we're losing
1: people every three to four months, and I'm like, goodness gracious. But wow. the good thing is my spirituality is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been pregnant. It was, I'm, For the past 10 years, I grew up in a magic with my grandma because she's a Muslim since I was 11. So I've always been a spiritual person. But practicing, I didn't start practicing until my brother passed, and I was about 24 then. Mm -hmm. So,
0: you know, okay, so you, let me just take us back a little bit. So you Mm -hmm. had these experiences. So my understanding is that these, sort of experiences made you more driven. So it created a drive mm-hmm. to want to do something and have a different outcome for your kids. Exactly. Um, okay. So when you you got you went through Lincoln, I'm assuming you graduated. Can you talk us through a little bit about your brother's passing? Like when did that happen on your journey? At what point?
1: Okay. So when it happened, um I had graduated from Lincoln and um it happened in two thousand and nine. Had yeah, an asthma attack, really bad asthma attack. And the crazy thing was, a year before that, I was working at um, Elwyn and I was a case manager. I think I was like 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God was talking to me. He sent me home. I wasn't feeling good. And typically, I don't take off work and I, you know, I go, never call off and I, you know, I go. And something told me to go home. I went to my mom's, well, go to my mom's. I went past my mom's, and he had an asthma attack, and I saved his life. And the mm-hmm. doctors were like, if you want not there, he would have died. So I automatically did CPR and saved him. And then a year later, he was at his um, girlfriend's, and he died from an asthma attack. And I got the call. Um, I was at Penn State Hospital working, and I got that phone call. And I knew he was going because I got on the train, and then tears just started flowing down my face. I don't, know, I don't know why, I just started crying out of nowhere. And this guy got up and he gave me a tissue. And then I went to the hospital and that's when I found out. And it, that was really, really hard because mm-hmm. me and my brother are two years apart and we were like so close. Like, yeah. oh my God, it was like my best friend. And yeah. then, the, yeah, when that was going on, I was in St. Joe's and I was taking up courses for um health education and health administration. And I, I didn't want to do it. I just didn't have the drive. And but I switched. So I switched to O T. Okay. Like, taking care of people. So okay. I did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm wondering, do you what what led to that? So I know you said you didn't have the drive to do that, but were there any other factors leading to like your switch to O T?
1: Um else? I just I just felt like I needed to be hands on with mm-hmm. people to make a difference and yeah. 'cause instead of being administrative. Um, administrative boss I've always been a nurturer Mm -hmm. so I felt like there was more of a fit for me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so and it's crazy because I was working at um, Pennsylvania Hospital and this lady came in I never forget I worked in fertility and she said I'm getting ready to do a quiz for my students and I said well what do you teach and she said OT and she told me all about it and I was like Oh my God, I have a degree in health sciences. I have all these science courses. I love science. And she told me to apply, and I applied and I got in instantly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So,
0: what were, okay, so, so you went from undergrad straight to grad? Is that what you, is that, was that your?
1: Was I, your I think path? I took like a year off. Yep, so I think I took like a, a year off. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then I went straight work? into it.
0: Continuing straight into the gra- So let me just ask this um, just because it's, you know, just from your story, from anyone outside, maybe listening in, it would mm-hmm. sound like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know how you did it. Like you had so many reasons to quit. Were you just, and I understand the drive, but also were you just kind of naturally gifted in the area, like in the area of intelligence or something? Yeah. With all the trauma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what it was? It was a mixture, because okay. I remember, um, you know, my ex saying to me, like, you're just naturally smart. Like, my my doctorate program, I graduated with a 3.8. I got all A's on one B. And wow. every class, I got straight A's. My last class, I got a B. And I was like, you know what? Oh, well, B is fine. Yeah. But I later learned, as I became ingrained in therapy mm-hmm. and mental health, like, I love mental health. Mm-hmm. I later learned that the reason why I was able to do all of that is because I used it as a coping mechanism, oh. not to deal with the death. So that backfired. backfired. Okay, can you
0: can you expand on that?
1: Can you break that down okay. a little bit? So what I mean by backfiring, it meant that no matter how successful I became and how many degrees I've gotten, how for our events in my career, when it was over, I was depressed and unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, I was practicing and I was reading my career, and I just did not understand it. And, you know, that's when I was like, you know what, get back in therapy. And I had to realize that I was not dealing with trauma and grief. And what happens is mm-hmm. your brain does things called repress the memory, and mm-hmm. that happens to protect you. From remembering traumatic experiences. So, mm-hmm. what I would do was put the traumatic experiences to the back of my head and just get to the next goal so I didn't have to deal with it. But when I achieved that goal, I still was not happy. Wow. It was still like sorrow. It was just like a torment. I always felt like I was tormenting. I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? Like, what's going on? And I had to learn a lesson that I needed to sit and be still, and deal with the trauma and grief, and heal mm-hmm. from it, and then move forward. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: That's really deep, because it's, I mean, when you think about it, I think there's probably a lot of us out there that do yes. that, um, probably mm-hmm. myself included, to be honest. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: but, you know, when you look at these people, and you admire them from the outside, and it's like, oh, they're so driven, but, you know, like you, you said, not could story. be a coping. Yeah, you don't know the story. You don't know the story. So... Um, talk, okay, so talk us through, when did you decide to that you wanted to get your doctorate?
1: Oh, I decided in maybe like 2013. Mm-hmm. And I was basically like, you know, um, you need to go to the next level. And I said, I can do it. I talked. I gave myself a talk. Like, you're a black girls, not a lot of black girls with a doctorate. You know, yeah. you're smart, and you might as well do it. And the reason why I did it is because I always wanted to be an OBGYN, but I felt mm-hmm. like I didn't have the support or the confidence, like I didn't believe in myself. And that's a really big regret that I live with because I know neuroscience. As you know yeah. neuroscience, you can be an OBGYN. Yeah, um, yeah and for sure. <laughs> so I I was like, you know what, if I'm not going to be an OBGYN, I'm going to be some sort of doctor. And um, mm-hmm. I rolled into a proper temple and I profit for Philly U, and I got into both. And I, I made the decision to go to the temple because I went to Philly U already for my master's. And I'm big on networking and meeting new people. And I was, yeah. I was physically thinking to myself, well, this is an opportunity to, you know, meet new people and learn new things and build new relationships. And I did amazing mm-hmm. because... You know, my professors were like, "You're an amazing writer. You need to write," Mm
0: -hmm. and that's how
1: it became published. They like kind of forced it upon me.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah, Yeah. man, that's amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. so as you kind of navigated this journey, which was constantly like accomplishment after accomplishment, despite it maybe being a coping mechanism, I'm just wondering about because you still were from West Philly, you still were Mm -hmm. dealing with trauma, you still had a certain um, I would say mindset, maybe perhaps, mm-hmm. around you. Did that um at times throw you off, or the people around you? I know you mentioned family, but were there people maybe trying to stop you from even pursuing like a higher degree or getting your doctorate, or you know? Because I know we hear about that a lot, where
1: um, you know, I don't say haters,
0: that. but was it was it any of that going on?
1: Like I don't. Know? I don't. I don't think they tried to stop me, but I don't feel like they understood. Okay. And I think I'm realizing now in this 34th year, and inshallah, I make it to my 35th in August that inshallah. I dealt with survivor's remorse. Meaning, you know, I always feel like I needed to stay a certain way because I'm from the hood. I'm from West Philly, and I didn't want people to look at me like, oh, she got a doctor. She thinks she's this and this and that. But you you have to let that go, and you just have to let certain people go, and you have to outgrow certain people in, in certain situations. And, um, like, a lot, when I first started my master's degree, a lot of people um, didn't understand, like, why I wasn't coming out, why I wasn't hanging out. And my mindset is, look, I'm trying to get here, and you're trying to do this, and I'm not going to get where I need to be hanging patrol and you know, um, clubs or, you know, wow. fish fries and outings. I need to focus and buckle <laughs> down. And that's what I did. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, fish rides, yeah. <laughs> and a lot
1: of people, and it's crazy because the people that didn't understand it mm-hmm. are the people that are still stuck.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I had to realize, this is a saying um, I came up with, and it's like people always say they have a circle. And I say, I don't have a circle because the circle will keep you going around and around and around. I have a line, Mm. and it can go up or down, and I like to continuously go up. I don't like to claim I have a circle of friends. I'm open to new friends. I'm open to new things, and I don't want a circle because I don't want to continuously do the same thing over and over, and that's what a circle is. You're spinning around. You have to hop off of it at some point in your life and either go up them steps or climb up that ladder straight. Mm. Mm. Yes,
0: yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. And people yeah, find thinking, that hard. Yeah,
0: it's very hard, girl. Because it's like, like you said, I don't know if it's survivor's remorse I mean, it or, um, or like, guilt or feeling mm-hmm. like, like you said, people trying to make you feel like, oh, you're not really real or you're not a really good friend. Or, or you're you think loyal. you're better than. you think you're better. Mm-hmm. Yep, trying to be something you're not. You know, mm-hmm. all those type of perceptions, like you said. Now, how did you, did, did that ever bother you as far as mindset-wise or did you? Like, Um, did you have to work through that at any point? That's why you you had survivor's remorse, but, like, how did you actually get to the other
1: side of that? I didn't let it really bother me. Well, I I think I'm lying a little bit because um, I feel like certain things people say to me does bother me, but I'm realizing it's not the truth, and I can't Mm -hmm. live off of somebody else's truth and opinion of me. They're entitled to their, their opinion of me, Um, And their perception But as long as I know who I am Then that's all that matters And I'm finally coming to grips with that In my 30s And I feel like I experienced it more From family members than I did Mm -hmm. From friends But I also realized As I progressed I didn't feel like I had The support that I should have Mm -hmm. You know from friends I felt like people that I were meeting You know on a whim we more supportive than, you know, friends in the business type of aspect. And, I mean, like, having speaking engagements or speaking on national levels and, you know, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Whereas, though, like Muneza, yeah, she'll pop up at anything that I'm speaking at, she won't even tell me. I'll just see her face. And I'm always yeah. excited and give her a big hug because it's like, yeah. wow, I don't even talk to her every day. but. Right. She's such a beautiful soul and a beautiful person that she does that, and you would expect that from people that you've been friends with for 10 or 15 years, and it just shows you that – I'm not saying that they're not good friends, but they're just showing you that you can meet somebody a week ago, and boom, you click, and, like, you're good friends. Mm -hmm. The time means nothing.
0: Time means nothing. Time means nothing. Yeah, and like you said, it is about that energy. It is about, also about mm-hmm. that direction and where you're going. Because you can't. Every, everybody can't come. It's just, it's just, that's just it just just. I had to
1: realize that. I I had I had to realize that. And you know when I started realizing it, I, I'm not lying to you. I woke up when I was thirty. I felt like I was having a midlife crisis, mm. and um, I remember coloring my hair and cutting it off and getting a divorce. Wow. Okay. And I was like, I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to be in this relationship. I'm growing. You're not, and I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And I I decided at 30 that I'm not going to be in my 40s, my 30s, um, going into my 40th year inshallah, and saying, why didn't I make these changes sooner? And I put my foot down. I was like, I'm making changes now, and I just started, you know, doing what I wanted, like, if it was mm-hmm. not working for me, it wasn't working for me, and I had got my voice and said, you know what, this is not working, whether it was friendships or relationships, and it was like, next. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I always was the person trying to bring everybody along, from my friends like, oh, come on, we should do this business plan, we should do this, we should do that. Mm-hmm. And my ex-spouse like, come on, won't you try this, won't you try that? And I'm the only one progressing and everybody else is stagnant, and it's like you're trying to lead a horse to the water to drink it. But you can't.
0: Yeah, you can't. They have to have that
1: drive and that motivation. And if they don't, then you cannot have survivors' remorse or survivors' guilt. You mm-hmm. have to say, you know what? I did what I could. Next level for me.
0: Mhm, mhm.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: I mean that's that's you know really insightful when we think about just relationships and how we navigate this thing called success, our own
1: definition mm-hmm. of
0: success. But one of the things you touched on that I just wanted to kind of bring back to this point of, you know, is it's not all rosy, like, right? So we know that mm-hmm. you went through a lot to get to where you were. And I know you talked through, I think you mentioned therapy briefly, but can you give us some real serious strategies of how you navigated the trauma of your struggle from your past into being able to sit in your own real success today? Like, well, how you, were, what was that, those strategies?
1: Okay, so you know what? The first thing is realizing that something's wrong. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. And the key word is self-reflect. Mm-hmm. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be open. You have to willing, be willing to make people uncomfortable to live in your truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's just the bottom line. And I had to realize, like, okay. This is the things that happen in your life. You need to deal with it in order to move forward. Mm. And um, so I I went to therapy. I went to therapy for three years, actually, straight, even till now, three years straight. And um, a lot of issues I wouldn't talk about. I just would go and talk about um, certain topics, and I would avoid other topics. And then one day I was like, you know what? You can't keep running. Mm. Start talking. And when you start the talking process, you acknowledge and you really start to heal. Because it's one thing for you to acknowledge it and then not deal with it. Mm-hmm. When that happens, it's going to keep coming back. But when you acknowledge it and you deal with it, you begin to okay. heal. You begin to heal in process. And I feel like last year was finally the year of revelation. I just started um, becoming more aware of people Mm -hmm. and their behaviors and um, their energy and their toxic, toxic, um, toxic levels in my life. And I just started shifting and coming away from people, family and friends and sitting by myself and sitting in that uncomfortability and Mm -hmm. just dealing with things that I've been through and, um, a book that I recommended my therapist gave me was Healing the Child Within. Mm. It's a book and a workbook. And it's a really good workbook because it gives you activities that you have to answer about yourself and you have to be honest. And I remember after my divorce, I remember, you know, sitting there and I was crying and, you know, I wasn't, it was just like really uncomfortable, like, oh my God, this is who I am. And I had mm. to work on it. Um, mm. And yeah, and, I worked on myself, and, you know, I I talked to a few people. I went out on a a date or two, but I never had anything serious. And then Mm -hmm. I met my new spouse in the weirdest way, but that's a different story. And (laughs) it was just, like, crazy that I took that time off because if I hadn't taken that time off, I probably would have been from relationship to relationship. But me sitting in that uncomfortability allowed me to uh, give myself standards and, realize what I wanted, what I didn't want, what I was going to put up with, what I was not going to put up with, and make better decisions, not in just a relationship with your spouse, but as a person in general, Mm. as a Mm. whole. So we, we as women, instead of, we love that companionship. Instead of that, sometimes we have to sit still and be uncomfortable with being by yourself and getting to love yourself and getting to know yourself all over again, because a lot of times we get lost in the role of mom, wife, and, worker or whoever we are, and we lose ourselves. And I had to take that time to, you know, deal with my trauma and heal and learn who I am, and therapy helped me a lot, mm. okay. a lot. I recommend it. I recommend it. I recommend yeah. people self-reflect and stop pointing a finger at everybody mm-hmm. and sit down and say, you know what, what's wrong with me? What can I get better at? What is it mm. about me that I can change for the better?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just
1: acknowledging that we all have flaws and nobody's perfect and it's okay to be imperfect because only God was made perfect
0: right. and we need
1: to realize that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this as you were speaking, um, Talia, I couldn't help but think of a common trend that we see, um, and especially mm-hmm. amongst black, I would say black women in particular, um, is that we see this really drive to success and we see a lot of pretty successful um black women but where mm-hmm. the trouble may lie is mm-hmm.
1: in their personal relationships,
0: right? Oh
1: girl, that was a fear of mine. I used to cry about that in therapy, like, oh my God, I'm oh, not gonna be anybody, I'm gonna be the cat lady. <laughs> I <laughs> but I mean did. why do you, why do you
0: think that is though? Is it is it because of maybe that drive is is covering some other traumas, or is it I mean what what is it? A lot there's a lot of things about it.
1: Okay. I think it's a mixture of um, – it's just a mixture of things. For so prime example, we're strong, we're dri- driven. Black women are the most educated race
0: yeah, ever. Right. Now.
1: right. Um, black women are strong, whereas, though, unfortunately, our black males are not as strong as us. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we find women dating down. Or mm-hmm. just simply not knowing our words. We talk about or, economically,
0: right? Or like yep,
1: economically, okay. like financially.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or just dating down, feeling like they may have that survivor's remorse. Well, I don't want to think I'm better than, mm. so I can still date somebody like this. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be that they are successful and um, they feel like they're better than, or they don't need a man. You don't know how many conversations I had with girlfriends. And I'm like, oh, I don't need a man, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, girl, are you crazy? I'm not lifting a finger to take out trash, shoveling snow, pumping (laughs) gas, or anything else. So, yeah, you do. And then you want a man for a protector. So I really think in today's age, it's a very distorted image of what it is to be in a relationship. You have women who really think that they are the man and a woman, and they're just dominant, and because they're – Successful, and make money that they don't need. When you really, everybody wants that companionship, unless you want to be a right. cat lady when you're 80 right. years old. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think Start it's off really off. a mixture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. I mean, you know, it's a it's an intriguing conversation when we talk about it, and um, I've just wondered if it was any because you had to really, you know, kind of like you said, self reflect. Do you have mm-hmm. to go ahead and take do the work because people yeah say, oh, I just I was introspective. No. You have to actually do the work. You sit I mean, and do therapy the work. Was, yeah, therapy wasn't easy. Um, you have to be
1: uncomfortable. You have to be yeah. comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. You know who helped me a lot? Mm-hmm. Who? Imam Shadid. Okay. And not on a personal level, but yeah. I, he, at one point in time, and I'm pretty sure he'll remember this, he used to get up every morning at the Fudger and give lectures, and mm-hmm. I would be on Periscope all the time and he's a big advocate for women and he yeah. said women you need to be comfortable with being be get get comfortable with being uncomfortable it's okay mm-hmm. to know your worth. it's okay to have values and standards it's okay to say no i don't think that this person is equal for me and it's okay to be by yourself he was like i know that people you're expected to get married and the sit-downs usually happen within a month. He said mm-hmm. it's okay to make it longer, and it's okay to wait.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: just remember him saying those certain things and empowering me as a woman, like, these are the decisions that I need to make wiser if this go around when I'm getting married again or if I'm thinking about um, potentially dating for an attendee or things of that nature.
0: Like, mm-hmm. this
1: is what I need. So his lectures helped a lot.
0: Wow, that's powerful. you actually mm-hmm. the second person on our podcast to mention him as um, mm-hmm. someone that really changed their perspective. Yes,
1: very influential. Yeah. He's yeah. a very influential May Allah bless him in his work. and his me, Very, very inf- yeah. influential. Very, that's, and I was yeah. like, you know what? If this is a Muslim man talking to me as a father figure, and right. I'm pretty sure he's only a couple years older than me, then I know that he has the best interest of the women in the Muslim community. He doesn't want us being mistreated and abused and ran all over.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. So what are some tips for women that are currently struggling, though? Like they want to be successful. They don't really know how to navigate their own traumas. They don't know how to navigate their circumstance. What would be some real practical tips for them?
1: Some practical tips is, first of all, pay attention to who you surround yourself with. Mm. You can't say you want to be successful, but you're hanging with people that's doing the same thing that they've been doing for the past 10 years, Mm. because that's insanity. Mm. Be open to meeting new people and doing new things and learning new things and just growing. I say, work hard, um, be diligent. Um, This is how I operate, and it may help others, but um, this helped me. I work on, like, five-year increments, no lie. Okay. So um, my goal was to get my doctorate by the time I was 30, mm-hmm. and I did just that. And then when I was 30, I wasn't satisfied. So I yeah. said, what am I going to do next? And I said, by the time my 35th year comes, I need to be a business owner. And 100 that, I'm a few steps closer me and my mm-hmm. husband, to opening our first of many businesses and how do you achieve goals so as a therapist talking to everybody you write your goal Mm -hmm. you write the long-term goal Mm -hmm. and a date for it. you need to have a date okay then you write your short-term goal which means that needs to be a closer date and then you write your objectives and objectives are steps to how you're going to get there Mm-hmm. So, for instance, at thirty, I said I want to be a business owner by the time I'm thirty-five.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: the short-term goal, maybe at thirty-two, thirty-three, start working on it, writing your business plan, doing your research, getting everything together, and your objectives. Maybe going to the Small Business Administration, meeting with a mentor. Um, just do everything that you need to do to get to those steps. So you write out your goals, you write out your objectives, you put clear dates on it, and you work every single day towards it, every single mm. day. Mm. Even if you get discouraged, get back up and keep going. You have to because that's the only way you're going to achieve it. And don't work on so many things at once. Okay. You're not allowed that's to do nice. that because that's a distraction. And Yeah. Um, to get all over the place, and that has happened to me a couple times. Right. Figure out what you're really passionate about, what you're really driven about, and stick to that. And once that's done, then you move to the next thing. Mm. Unless the small things are into towards your larger goal. Okay. That's a, that's an excellent tip. That's an yeah. excellent tip.
0: So you mentioned the date. So the you know I, I've heard constantly about you know make sure you write it down and
1: mm-hmm. all of that,
0: but I don't hear about the date too often. Tell me why is that important?
1: A date gives you a deadline. Like on my phone, I'm an electronic freak. Um, every mm-hmm. day, I have reminders and tabs of things that I need to do. Okay. Um, for my business, and I need to get it done and check it off. And if you have a date written, you know you in your mind you should be stressed out to meet that deadline by that date, so you can get to the next step. Mm-hmm. Accountability, accountability. So allowed, because if you yeah. yes, if you don't have a date, you can have that written near forever. And then when are you going to achieve it? Absolutely. You need to have a date. You have to have a date. Mm -hmm. Have an accountability partner. Have an accountability partner. Okay. Date somebody on your level. A lot Mm -hmm. of times we date down. Yeah. Now, I I will say that. Or marry. Yeah, or marry. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Now, listen, my first um, husband, my ex-husband, I can't say that about him. I met him in college. And we were on the same page, and then we just got lost. I surpassed yeah. him, and he kind of got stuck, and that's where things went south. And then when I started dating again, I noticed that I would talk to people that I didn't have no business talking to. And I had to check myself. I was like, wait a minute. Would I take them to a national event that I'm speaking at? Mm-hmm. And if the answer was no, uh-uh, I'm sorry, I can't do this. hmm, I can't. Because you have, we have to complement each other. How are you holding me accountable? Mm. Are, we work, are we working on our life goals together? Can we have an intellectual conversation? Mm. Are you going to make sure I'm achieving my goals? Can I make sure you're achieving your goals?
0: Mm. Are you
1: actually working towards it? So those were being by myself for those years allowed me to see what I wanted and what I didn't want. So it's very important that you marry a partner mm-hmm. that is beneficial to you. And mm. everything that you want to do. He has to yeah. be a true yeah. partner. She has to be a true partner. Yes. Girl,
0: you speak in life right now because mm-hmm. you just really, honestly, you don't know how many of us fall into that trap of, I'm not sure how long, he's a good brother. Mm. And, good is not, know, a good brother
1: is not good enough. Is he going <laughs> to make you, you get to the next level?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Like my husband now, he brought mm-hmm. me crazy a little bit. But guess what? I struggled with um, consistency, and I struggled with executing until mm-hmm. I met him. Mm. I execute everything now. And um, same thing for him. Like, he had his little struggles, and he was like, if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't have been done. So we compliment each other. Like, mm-hmm. I'm consistent with working out now. Yeah, I've been working out since October straight. Yeah, or he'll come in and be like, did you do such and such for the business? And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. it's done. And he's, well, what's the plan for the business this week? What are we doing? He's on me constantly. I needed yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so sure
1: having a partner like that is very important. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, he's a good brother. Because that's going to get on your nerves after a while when you guys are stuck in limbo and you know you mm-hmm. want to do more, but you mm-hmm. can't do more because, you know, you're stuck because yourself, your spouse is stuck. And that mm. energy does weigh on you. I'm telling you, I lived it. Yes. The energy weighs on you when one person has all these goals and admiration and the other is content and you don't want to be content. Mm. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, for
0: sure. For sure. It definitely, that's really true. That's really, really truthful. And I know mm-hmm. I have a lot of, Um, just friends and um, conversations that we get into or that is kind of like the big issue where they kind of feel held back and nobody's Mm -hmm. encouraging anybody to divorce anybody on this podcast but it's just important like if you are on the journey and you are seeking a uh, spouse spouse. that you that you look into that and if you are don't be hasty right right and are there ways you have I know that your relationship did end in a little divorce, but are there ways for women to navigate if they are in the marriage and divorce is not really something they want to do, but they want to, their husband is stuck. Is there ways to help
1: move things it's along? Hard. Is it's hard. hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard because like I, I mean, I was with that person for 15 years and yeah, trying for 15 years is hard. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to realize if they're going to do it, they're going to do it for them, not for you. Because what happens is when they do it for you, they'll do it for a month or two, and then they're going to go back to their old ways.
0: Mm.
1: If they are doing it for them, like you're doing it for your own self, you guys are going to be consistent on top of each other. And mm-hmm. it's going to flow so easily. So, I mean, I don't encourage divorce, but I encourage people to make choices that's sitting for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... Are you happy? Mm, mm -hmm. Honestly, are you happy? Are you content? And if not, you got to do what you need to do for you. Yeah. And how about if you're single and you're looking to get married, take your time. I know we're Muslim and we want to rush the marriage, but it's okay to be intended for a while. I know people were intended for three to five years. I was intended for 10 months Mm -hmm. before I got married. You don't have to do it within a month. Take your time. Get to know somebody. Have your mm-hmm. wild kill or your wild there, and, mm-hmm. you know, just take your time mm-hmm. because you don't know somebody within a month. You don't know somebody within mm-hmm. two months. Mm-hmm. You know, the masks fall off after a while. Shoot, the masks fall off maybe five, six years into the marriage. Yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's real.
0: That's real talk. I mean, it's. You know, I mean, when we talk about this idea of success, you know, our relationships matter. You know, success, it's a big part of matters. our success, it really matters. So I really appreciate you speaking to that. And you know, we're gonna get ready to hop off this podcast, but um, and I appreciate the tips that you did share. But um, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, what are some I know what you're working on now, I know that you're about to launch a business. What are we, what are we looking – remind us again of what we are going to be looking out
1: for from you in the coming future, inshallah. So in the coming future, inshallah, I'm going to be doing more speaking events okay. on um, mental health and wellness mm-hmm. for um, the black community mm-hmm. um, is really important. I don't want to narrow it down just to women. Right. Mental health and wellness, and teaching people healthy coping mechanisms because we lack that. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching young girls to find a voice, to speak up, um, and to just work hard. And a lot of community-based OT centers that's helping individuals living with physical and mental illness. Mm-hmm. And um, if I, if if you know, it's your law, it, everything flows. I would be the first. OT, black OT, to open a community-based really? center. Yeah, mm. nobody's done it because oh. um, they got away from mental health. Mental health was the root of OT, and they switched it and made it more about yes. physical disabilities. But what I need everybody to know is okay. if your mental is not right, that causes the physical disabilities. Mm. And I'll say that one more time. If you are not mentally and emotionally well, mm. then you get Diagnosis such as um depression and anxiety because you're not taking care of your emotional and mental wellness and it mm-hmm. impacts your body physically. So my goal is to, you know, um have programs to teach and give these things back to the community so that they know um that nothing's wrong with um mental uh having a mental illness or having a diagnosis or going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Self-care is the best care. And if mm-hmm. you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody. Just hurt people hurt people. And, um, you know, trauma, and it's more trauma and different layers of trauma, and you can't really love your children correctly. You can't really be there for them correctly because you're not taking care of yourself. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on. I'm working mm-hmm. on doing a lot more speaking engagements and, you know, having to have more commun- mm-hmm. um Facilities in the community for absolutely, our people. absolutely. Wow, I'm excited. Um,
0: yeah, that, and it's and it is exciting. And you're, you're right. You know, as somebody who kind of works in the field, as you were talking, I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. Occupational mm-hmm. therapy. You know, honestly, I. We look at it almost like as an autism thing now, and it's like, okay, if you have a sensory, uh, you know, if, you, if there's right. a sensory need or something, okay, then the occupational therapist comes in.
1: But looking at it so aspect of – so much more.
0: Yeah, like that's We start
1: totally... from human development.
0: Yeah. Wow. Human
1: development. Okay. We feed babies. We teach parents how to feed their babies. We teach them how to wrap them and cuddle them if they have drug problems. We teach them how to walk. We teach them how to dress themselves if they have – Physical disabilities. This is a continuum Mm -hmm. of life here from infancy until death.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Self care. Yeah, I really. That's what we teach. Yeah, for sure. I really look forward to the work that you do, um, that you're going to do inshallah, and the the speaking engagements and such. Because there's a lot more. I think that me in particular, I want to learn more about this. But
1: that's amazing.
0: Talia, I really appreciate you. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You really were vulnerable, honest. I mean, you just left it all here on Thank the you show. so much. But I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's really inspiring. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing because um, this platform just allows us to talk and give pointers yeah. and give yeah. advice and let people know, like, look, we all go through things. You're not going through it alone. This mm-hmm. is how you get through things. And just be a support and help to one another because I feel like God uses me for certain things. And yeah. I should give that back to other people. Like he He uses me for people. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. To help people. Absolutely. And, you know, this has been very therapeutic and healing for me, which is one of the reasons why I even started
1: The Woman
0: Podcast, and so I really appreciate you know you just sharing your story. Honestly, like I was really taking it in because a lot of what you said I really do relate to. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a different story, but I definitely do relate to some of the journey. Um, Um, And um, maybe maybe just think about you know taking another quick you know close look at my own healing process. So I really journal a lot. Honestly, yeah, I do have those books. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I really do have a lot of journals and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it up. Um, but again, thank you so much for being on the show. And for all the listeners out there, again, thank you for listening in. Please subscribe, like us on all of our platforms. We are on Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts. We appreciate you. It matters. Thank you so much for listening in. This is another episode of the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. As